Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today I have Don Olson on with us. He is a pioneer educator, herbal, herbal elder, and a passionate lifelong learner. He is the author of Pathways to Healing, A Guide to Ayurveda, Dream Body, and Shamanism. He has been teaching and creating courses for over three decades. So I'm super excited to have you on the show today, Don. I'll mention that it was five decades. Oh my uh, goodness. <laughs> I'm going to have to update your bio. I had says three. So shoot, I'll update that. No well, yeah. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So I would love to know since Ayurveda is, you know, definitely heavily in my own background, how did that kind of, um, enter your life? I find there's always a story there. Um, Actually not, you know, it's 1986, I, I got into Ayurveda and I'm not sure how I got into it, but my, my process was to invite guests to um, Victoria to, you know, since I couldn't go there, I'd invite people to come and then I'd learn from them. So I actually had Deepak Chopra, I bet wow. I had him booked but he got taken up by somebody that was just when he was becoming really popular. So he got picked up by somebody and I couldn't get him, which was, you know, I mean, you got to realize that, you know, it's five decades. So I was at workshops with um, many of these teachers when there was only a few, who's the great uh, affirmation one? Um, can't remember her name. Anyway, it'll come back to me. So, anyways, but I got Robbie Svoboda. So, Robbie Svoboda is a really wonderful, wonderful Ayurveda teacher and also a wonderful human being. So, I brought him up to Victoria, and that's where my journey began with Ayurveda. Wow. And that was 1986. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so, how about shamanism then? How did that kind of come into your path? Well, that started a lot earlier. I was always a mystic. Um, and actually, Ayurveda started earlier. When I was in elementary school, they were teaching the periodic table. And I woke up from like a dream in class. And I was going, and they said the ancients were stupid. They thought there were only four elements, earth, air, fire, and water. And I, I, this had nothing to do with my family, my background whatsoever. And I said, uh, I woke up uh, like out of a dream and went, no, that doesn't sound right. And I looked around the classroom and looked out the window. I thought, I think I'm in the wrong classroom. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so I stayed in that lucid state for about, you know, five minutes or something. And then I dropped out of it. But it was like, like, like I said, I had no connection in my family system. This was back in the 50s. So, you know, there was no connection to Ayurveda and those things. Um, so it was the second part. I kind of got lost in that, that story. Well, yeah, I was just saying, how, how did shamanism come into your path? Shamanism, and, right. Yeah. Then, well, okay. So that, and then um, just, again, I was, my I had an older sister and she would look babysit me or look after me. And so when I was quite young, she took me roller skating or roller blading, roller skating. And I just, it's, it's just where these things come into our consciousness. And anyways, I was sitting in the car waiting for her. She walked up to the window and, and she looked at me and she said, what are you doing meditating? And I was like, I never heard the word before, but it was like, it just went through a wave through my body, like, meditating 
So, you know, like five years later, I was in India meditating six hours a day. <laughs> and again, these were nothing to do. My family was not, you know, spiritual or, you know, alternative or anything. <clears throat> Very straight family. So those are the two ways. So then um, mostly I went to study in India with a teacher called Kirpal Singh, and he was basically a mystic. And people always think of these spiritual teachers as, I don't know, like religious or something, but they're really earth, like really earthy. He had a tree growing through his house. He wouldn't cut it down. So he made, built his house around the tree. Uh, when he'd go into the jungle to meditate, the scorpions would follow him. When he'd sit down, they'd line up around him and meditate with him. Um, I mean, I, I could go on. I met a yogi who had a house carved out of the Ganges riverbank in the dirt. A beautiful house, nice house, you know. And he was 110 years old. And so I had lots of magical experience. And so all I'm trying to say is that he was a really practical mystic. And... Prior to that, I had some inner experiences, you know, some awakenings, and I didn't know what to do with them, but I, I won't even go into the magic of how I found this person, but of course it was a nice magical story. And he, um, once I got there, he was just really practical, just like my other shamanic teacher, Ellen White. They're very practical and the inner world is very stable and it's, it's the same all over the world and the psychic. So experiences that you have, they, you know, they could tell you. So when I told my teacher and, you, you know, you get a bit inflated and you think, you know, and, and you know, they kind of go, oh, yeah, okay. Well, exactly what was this like? Um, speaking of Ellen White, I had this, we were on a trip that we put on a shamanic workshop on an island outside of, Vancouver Island uh, called Wiccanish and had a really neat spiritual experience with this sea creature that's in their mythology right and I was uh, standing on a dock and the and this was in the dream time I'll talk about waking experiences if it comes up but this is in the dream time but anyways this creature got up on the dock and everybody else ran off the dock and I just stayed and I wanted to meet it so anyways it, you know it was a sea creature and was really exciting and then when I got on our way home we had to go through play, the town where Ellen the city where Ellen lives we went and saw her and when I got there you know I was, I was all pumped up you know ah, I saw the you know and she said she was, so I told her the experience she looked at me hmm how many toes did it have <laughs> <laughs> I was crushed you know <laughs> but really practical you know it was it was three toes and that was symbolic to the witch which mythical creature, which inner creature was versus, oh, you know, so really practical mysticism, which, you know, some people think of this as an impractical or, or like a, not a solid thing, but it's actually more, you know, one of the metaphors there are not the paradigms that I think, you know, huge into paradigms is that, you know, paradigm that spirit comes out of matter versus the reality is, is matter comes out of spirit. So, and that's where we've really gone wrong. So the spiritual is more stable than the, than the, and this is impermanent, you know, <laughs> we, we, nobody gets out alive. Everything, you know, the older you get, the more you see everything changes. I would have not predicted the last two years. No way. 
no way i mean i'm still in disbelief like oh my god <laughs> yeah yes so no no permanence <laughs> well i would love you shared you um went to india where you know what kind of you know drew you there then or how did that go if you grew up in a place you know where meditation wasn't a thing and you know your family wasn't well it was the 60s so the, the meditation <laughs> became a thing right yeah uh so you know um i had a spiritual experience in about 67 first of all i um you know i, I definitely experimented with drugs lsd and uh Fortunately, I woke up and went the spiritual way and I and I, my life added synchronicities that kept me on that direction. So, you know, some of the people didn't make it out of the 60s and in a healthy way. So it was a easy for me to, you know, transition to meditation and, and that kind of stuff. Anyways, I had a had a spiritual experience and then again a bunch of synchronicities led me to this person who introduced me to Kirpal Singh and he was doing a he had a there was a vegetarian restaurant in Vancouver called the Golden Lotus restaurant and that was in 1969 January I started working there it was an ashram business and we lived upstairs and we worked downstairs so I lived there for nine months and then I had the opportunity to go to India to be with him and, and so I spent six and a half months with him which is huge blessing there was you know again one of those fortunate times of being in the right place at the right time and being able to be with this world-renowned he put he put on three world fellowships of religions he went the unity man conference on he had huge huge following but i was fortunate enough to be there were sometimes just two or three of us at at the ashram or at his home in the in, in the himalayas so I, I, I count my lucky. It's the best decision I made in my life to go to India at that stage. It's, it's served me, serves me every day. And that's where you were introduced to meditation and, you know, you, yeah, he was you a, sat he was for six hours. Yeah. We, we sit for six hours and, you know, it was not easy. And people think meditation is an escape. It's the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's going deep in yourself. One experience I had in India, I'd been there about four months I was meditating and all of a sudden my hands just turned beat red and started to burn. And the memory came in my, my mind of when I was a teenager and my principal in my school who was six foot two and 200 and some pounds strapped me five times each hand for smoking. Oh my and with all his force, you know, like he, he really wailed on my hands and and now as a young adult, I was crying going, why did you beat mm. me for that? You know, like, you know, so I'm just saying that these in imagination gives your psyche an opportunity to blossom, to bring up stuff. And it, it always isn't pretty. There's, there's a, and it's, and it's also extraordinarily blissful, you know, like, you know, once you, you know, I mean, I'm just saying for me, once I had that inner ex first inner experience of the light, I was, I was hooked. That was it. I mean, there was nothing else that compared to it. And I had, I had a lot of credible experiences with, you know, with drugs, with sex, with, you know, the best musicians in the world from, you know, um, you know the door. I grew up in the sixties in Vancouver. So I, I, you know, 
Janis Joplin, you name them, and I, I got to see them. So I had really powerful experiences. But once I had that one inner experiences, that was it. That was addicted. Not addicted. No, it's just it's the, the truth. We don't have the experiences as much as we dip into that world. It's always there. It's Can you talk about that, that duality of meditation? If people are, maybe they feel that like agitation or like stuff is coming up. And so then they shy away from doing it. Can you talk about kind of that duality? Yeah, it's 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 a tough one, and and you, both my teachers. I'll refer to my two most powerful teachers in, in the Shamite tradition would be Ellen White and Gurpal, and they both say that you have to train because uh, you don't know when the break, you don't know when the other world's going to open up to you. Mm. But if you're not trained, then when it opens up, you kind of go. Oh! <gasps> And it's gone, you know, like, because you're not trained. But if you're trained, that's why they both would, you know, calm down the inflation, go, now, okay, just, you know, stay focused on what was exactly happening. Mm. So, so I encouraged people. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, some, a lot of teachers say that it's, it's the guru or the, the creator that calls us. And I kind of believe that. Like I wasn't a spiritual person. I wasn't, I was a kind person. I was a loving person that was just innate in me. And I, and my mom was a, a, a loving, kind person. Uh, but yeah, therefore the grace of God go I literally like, and also when I came back from India, I was, I kind of went back to my old drug friends versus mm. my new spiritual friends. Mm. And this is just a funny story that I'm still in contact with the man. And I went to one of these clubs, one of the clubs where I saw Jim Morrison on the doors, like a dance floor about 40 feet. So we could, you know, we could touch him. And actually came, the band came to where I was living that night and Jim slept with one of the girls in our, our gang. So that's how intimate was back then. But anyways, my friend, Craig was at this at club and I was going down to it. He was coming up and he said, oh, Don, like we hadn't seen each other for a year. And he insisted, like it was crazy. He just insisted I come and live with his brother. And his brother was the first spiritual person I had ever met in my life who was into meditation and that kind of stuff. He just insisted, like insisted, I come and live with his brother. And I did. And that was, again, changed my trajectory of my life for good. Like I, then I went, you know, started meditating again, went to the Golden Lotus, went to India, blah, blah, blah. So, wow. so if people are listening and they're like, okay, I, I'm interested in like, you know, having that inner peace and some self-care, um, you know, but we live in a busy world. Where are some like first steps for people if, you know, they're like, where do I start? Do it. You know, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing is do it like just and and build a you know I really would encourage people even start five minutes a day but you know just do it and and maybe like five minutes three times a day but mm -hmm. take that time to just still yourself and open yourself up and if you have really a spiritual longing in your heart I feel that the inner world will come to you then so opportunities will present themselves for you to grow teachers will come you know uh, the right people will come like me like <clears throat> Craig and it's like so I still had the longing in my heart but my habits were 
hard to die. And so I, and my familiarity with my, all the kids I grew up with in school and, you know, we all know that, you know, part of the gang. So, so that's my advice is it's hard. And it's also very rewarding and very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And again, it's real. The spiritual world is totally real, more real than this one. And, and so if you start meditating even, you know, five minutes, three times a day, especially when you wake up and when you go to bed, that's a really powerful time to just tune in to try, drop, try to drop your story. Like we're all addicted to our story, you know, and just try to drop your story and slide into evening time and open open to the dream. A lot of my experiences have come in the dream time in the in dream world. And uh, and then when same when you wake up, just realize you're transitioning from this dream world to, into what we call consensual reality. So you know just be gentle with yourself during that transition. Um, you talked about dropping your stories. If someone's listening and they're like, oh, what do you mean by that? Like when you talk about your story. Well, you know, I'm down all of a sudden. I'm a man, I'm so old and I do this. And, you know, like that's just a story, you know? And, you know, there's a beautiful book called Movie Mind. It's a movie. And the good, the beautiful thing is I'm the, I'm actually writing the story. I'm directing and I'm playing it. It's so that's another neat thing is you can, you can, change your story if you want <laughs> you don't like your and i'm not saying it's easy i believe in fate and karma so you have certain stuff you want to go through <laughs> you have to go through but at the same time you can either be a victim of it or a hero of it you know you can be i'm calling my new program the it's been going since 1986 but it's latest uh rebirth or reframing is uh, the wounded healer's journey mm-hmm. on the pathways to healing. But I only say that because we're all wounded and that um, the wound is, is partly, I was wounded, you know, I, I was, you know, I wasn't a functional, human, you know, like most of us, I wasn't a functional, really a functional teenager. I wasn't one of the ones that, you know, was going on a really consensual path to, you know, so, um, Anyways, mm-hmm. well, I would love to know just because you have so much experience in the wellness space, what have been kind of the biggest changes that you've seen in the last, you know, five decades now? Um, how has well, it shifted for the better and maybe for the worse? Yeah, for the better. Um, the like when I first opened my herb store in 1972, um, 1976, I was like, like people didn't echinacea echo what you know and then you know the show fraser he gets a cold he takes echinacea you know on the show you know so just the calm and plays thing of her unbelievable now the downside it's business and so it's not all high integrity it's also not ecologically sustainable so there's a uh, organization called United Plant Savers that lets people know what plants are endangered and not endangered. And so, so you know, that's, that's the downside of it. Um, 
that's in the herbal industry. Um, that way it's just, <laughs> the changes have been so massive, especially with the introduction of the internet. Like it's just, we're in a whole other world and a whole other ball game. Positive side, I'm talking to you. I'm meeting you and I've met other wonderful people. I've had students from Finland and France and, and you know, um, and that's exciting. That part's exciting. But at the same time, there's just, it, it's so easy. You can be an influencer, but not have much substance, you know, mm -hmm. like you just know what the right thing, you know, to do and say and stuff like that. And so somebody like myself to, you know, get credit for all my work, it's hard because it's like people don't I mean, people like yourself see it and thank you very much, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, certainly I've had, I've had relatively good success with students and stuff like that. But, um, and then, you know, just in the last two years has been really challenging for most people. Yeah. Um, and so that's my, my business could dive in 2020, partly purposely and, 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 you know, it was just, the right thing to do with to withdraw for a while and make changes in my life relative to what the world was offering me and we're still in that process but um part of it i'm coming back out now and i'm part of also the wounded healer that yeah we um all the just about all the students that come to me are really interested in healing themselves but to me the deeper the wound the more uh you can be of service to others. I, my father killed himself when I was 15 years old mm. and I didn't find out until I was 30 or something because I was the baby of the family. Oh, but I only bring that up as a healer. I've had the, I've helped be able to help people with suicide, mm. you know, and by at least three or four cases mm. had one, you know, I had a consultation practice and so people book appointments and then sh they show up and this one man showed up and I said, okay, hi, what are you here for? And he said, well, to be honest, I took my, down, my son down from the apple tree on Saturday mm. morning. He hung himself. <laughs> I was like, no, I was quite young and that was shocking. And I was at first like, holy shit, like, mm. okay, I didn't sign up for this but quickly realized if we're healers we're healers and if we if you know and we can help we can all, we can help people to the amount we can help them and as as long as we're transparent about that but because i had a history of it i could help them i could and i had tools i had flower essences i had a, already had emotional tools and shamanic tools and and the beautiful thing is that man, for years and years and years, every time he saw me, he would just not smile, but acknowledge, you know, acknowledge me that I was able to be there for him during a really hard time in his life. Mm. Mm. That is, oh, I'm so sorry for, for your loss. And, you know, I mean, that is a, that's a tough thing. And as a healer, I mean, I've seen things as well, yeah, you know, through yeah. years you, I mean, if you are, it's just yeah. the nature of the business, you're going to have that. Yeah. And yeah, that first time you're kind of like, 
oh my goodness, am I equipped for this? But (laughs) yes, as you talked about your tools. And I think something else kind of tying this back into something else that you had spoke about was um, you can be an influencer, but not have much substance. That I think is rich, I think in today's environment, especially with, you know, social media and the, the pressure of like, oh, how many, you know, how many followers do you have? And I never care to look at that. And for myself, some of my greatest teachers, you know, one, they might not even be on social media and two, they, they're very low followers, but the wisdom that they have is so rich, but maybe I don't know why people can't see it. Or if you're just, you know, they're doing, they're doing it in their way. And it's not the way that is the glitz and the glam that, you know, the should, this is what it should look like. And so I definitely think that's a, that's a huge thing in, in the healing space that I can see probably has changed of like seeking out, wait, who actually has the wisdom versus who has the influence. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. You know, I really encourage people to do their research and, you know, like uh, I have my journey on my website and you know you can see starting in 1969 you can see all the people I've studied with and and also you know how humble are the people like you know we're blessed with the grace of great things so I've been blessed with the things I've studied are great way greater than me you know I've just been touched by them and blessed by them and I'm really grateful for that but, you know, what's, you know, I guess um, you have to ask in your heart, you know, what you want out of this. Mm-hmm. And the big, you know, biggest challenge if you're a healer, even a wounded healer, first you're going to heal yourself and you're going to seek out people that can help you heal. But at the same point, as you learn more about healing, people will naturally start asking you questions and start so do get some training and you know there's lots of paths you could go down i i've studied psychology and herbalism and ayurveda and black flower remedies and 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 i've studied so many start shamanism not only with ellen with brand rolling thunder rolling thunder was a colorful character from the 60s and he was you know he wrote a book and he was you know quite a colorful figure but I I brought him to Victoria too and met him and hung out with him (laughs) and so you know I'm not again it's just yeah is it a path of the heart or is the path of the ego Mm. you know like if it's a path of the heart then that's a different thing and it you know, and also your character's destiny and you are who you are and you can't change that. And believe me, I can speak now at 75. I'm still the same character I was, except I'm getting more eccentric and more, you know, <laughs> and, you know, but I can't, I can't change. I mean, that's who I am. Um, there's a beautiful book called The Force of Character by James Hillman for anybody that's sort of over, over 55 is, you know, it's just a really different take on aging than this ever young, ever free. Oh, I can run 10 miles. I can, you know, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I'm, I'm aging. I'm, I'm old. Old means polished. I'm, you know, um, I'm 
deeply ingrained in my in my ways i'm polished oak you know like um so anyways I actually like talking. So I have, I've worked with for the last 12 years, a group of 65 to I think 96 is the oldest that I've worked with, with seniors that I do like movement or yoga with. Um, And so, and I see them, I have a group that I just adore right now that I see four times a week virtually. And um, that is something that I think is, is missing. I mean, that, that age group, that demographic is just, you know, some of them are treated like there's nothing left, you know, like you're just not part of society. And I'm like, these people are so wise. And I love, you know, I love working with them. That's like one of my favorite groups to work with because I'm like, I listen to their stories. I listen to their wisdom. I'm like, this is how, you know, we move forward too, is like listening to some of the mistakes that they have and, you know, them sharing some of the stuff that they have seen, because they've seen way more than I have in my lifetime, you know, because at 96, you just, you just have. And so I think that's such a, a key thing that sometimes we as a society throw away and we just don't, we don't look to our elders as other societies do. So I think that is definitely also, you know, where it's hard for you, where you, you're probably, your goal is not to be on social media. So then how are people supposed to find you in today's age? So then you're left with that dilemma of like, you know, do I have to play this game? How, how can I reach new audiences? I mean, that's, that's a tough, tough spot, you know, for you. And I don't know the solution and, you know, I don't, maybe, maybe in a few years we'll have some sort of solution. I don't know if it's going away, but like, that's just a, it's an interesting thing to think of that. I haven't really thought of from a business owner perspective at 75, like how, how have you had to shift and make those changes? And I suppose they're hard. I mean, change is hard in general. And how have you kind of adapted that? Well, the good news is I, I, I'm, I'm a Trekkie fan, so the <laughs> AI doesn't, you know, and also very interesting, my teacher and I was, I was in India when the, they landed on the moon. <laughs> so I was with my guru and, uh, and I'll tell you a quick story. He just said, uh, he said, America, I don't know why they're so inflated about, uh, don't, don't they know that we've had interstellar communication before we've you know been highly advanced before we had tvs the battle of the mahabharata was an atomic war and you know it's like so there was this you know so the and then my friend my best friend lee recently sent me a science video that documents what my teacher says and it's it's consensual science not it's not you know flaky whatever that's saying yeah that there's real proof that we've had other you know civilized so um yeah yeah I lost my train of thought there <laughs> well that's all right well I would love to know um you know because we're kind of well, how I got back to the yeah just yeah. go ahead but let's go on to the next thing yeah well I would love to know um about your program that you have coming up the healer's journey on the pathways to healing um you know tell us about that that program who it's for and um is it online Yes, it's online because that's just the reality of things now. And also that's the advantage of uh, people being able to um, do that. I was just going to bring up my uh, page on it so I can. Yeah. So I've been running this program since, uh, so the healing journey, the the wounded healer's journey on the pathways to healing. So the original program in 1986 was called the healing journey. 
And then my book in, is called Pathways to Healing, a, a Guide to Herbs, Ayurveda, Dream Body, and Shamas, as you mentioned. So um, I was just going to pull out. Uh, so I, I wanted to put those two together. I don't like the journey. Like what I found is that uh, healing journey is not as definitive as the healer's journey. You, you are the healer and you are on this journey and you're wounded, but you can heal. And not only that, your wound is your gift, is your, is what you're going to, uh, your greatest teacher. And so you're going to, through healing yourself, you're going to be able to then pass that on to other people. If, if that's your desire, that's not necessarily. So, so first of all, like I have, process-oriented healing. So I've studied dream body as is in my book with Arnold Mundell since 1986. And his students, one of my best friend is as a process-oriented psychologist with this degree in process-oriented psychology. But, you know, process-oriented healing, herbs, of course, and herbs, um, the seasons are so important, you know, and my whole book has all the seasons in it and what to eat, what to do during the season. So I'm going to run this program now in courts. Every season there'll be a cohort. You can join the summer group, the fall group, the winter group, or the spring group, and there'll be advantage to all of them. If you're kind of in the mentorship program after that, you could participate in all the seasons, you know, to be part of the journey around the, around the seasons. Um, essences, you get all the Bach flower essences, but just the essence, like in, in dream body, there's three levels of awareness. There's the sentient realm, which is the unborn, unmanifested. And then there's the dreamland, the first manifestation, which is like thought, thoughts, visions, but isn't solid yet. And then there's, then there's consensual reality, which is what we call this, this world of mm -hmm. solid objects. So deal a lot with essence. I'm a huge systems thinker. Uh, when I, I got Miami, I hadn't been to university, but in 2013, I, I graduated with an MA in environmental education and communication. And one of my favorite subjects on that thing was systems thinking. Mm -hmm. And I, I've gone on to study with Fritjof Capra, who's become a loose friend through, through my study with him. And he's kind of one of the world renowned systems thinker. Mm -hmm. Paradigms, like I said, people think that this, like they think this science that we're following is like God sent or something. No, it's a paradigm. Just like Ayurveda is a paradigm, like traditional medicine is a paradigm. I had one student who was studying engineering in university when he came to my course. And after he did the class on paradigms, he went home and re-examined his life, quit engineering, became an acupuncturist because he didn't like the paradigm he was in. You know, Speaking of that, I would just want to, okay, remind me at the end, I've got what I want to do for your listeners. So uh, it's about qualities and... Uh, yeah, qualities and elements. So yeah. um, again, learning how to learn is another thing that I'm passionate about. I taught a class in 2000 face-to-face -face with some students in elective and two of the students who were in university at that time, both of them, their grades went up two degrees by learning how to learn. 
because we're not taught how to learn. Mm -hmm. Not really. Mm -hmm. We're just taught a bunch of stuff to learn, but not actually the, and it's, it's such an evolved science now and such an evolved, like I'm a born again mind mapper. When I found mind mapping, which is where you place your thoughts around a central subject, it was like a revel. I'm I'm a glomper. I don't think lo logically. I don't think A B C D. I think A B seven blue <laughs> six. You know. But if I put them all on a mind map, it's fine. I can I can absorb them. Um, medicine making, like using the gifts of the earth, how to make them, and wellness consulting. I'm really into alchemy right now. Alchemy of psychology, which is James Hillman and. We are spending a lot of time in the Negredo right now. And the Negredo is not depression. Negredo is the black. It's the absence of light. It's, a, it's a, an accomplishment. It's a necessary part of our psychology. But this is very sophisticated in the ex explanation of it. So I really like that. I again mentioned dream body and more. So that's basically, and there's, you know, there's, I also cover the extracellular matrix, which is a advanced system on the body that's pretty amazing. So that's yeah, that's my. I love it, and they can find that at your website. Just is your yeah. first and last name. Yeah, Donaldson.com. Perfect. I will put that in the show notes for everyone. So um, I just have one final question for you. I always like yeah. to end with a weekly challenge, and then when I have a guest on, I have you throw out the challenge to everyone. So what would you like it to be this week? Well, it's thinking of paradigms, I'm thinking of Ayurveda is not, is qualities, it's based on qualities and elements. And so if you, and if you simplify and get down to it, there's the three doshas in Ayurveda, Pitta, Vata, Kapha, and that's fire, air, and basically water, it's earth water. So the primary quality of Pitta is fire. And so I, and so I want people to think about the fire in their life, especially if they have any knowledge of Ayurveda fire, but, or even fire, how fire impacts their life. Like, um, and I'm not going into details. I have huge details in my book, exercises to do with it, but I was thinking then dryness. And of course the, the, the antidote to fires cooling down. This number one thing. The best thing a pet can do is have a cold shower <laughs> and then think about what is bothering them and also feed them. <laughs> My wife and I don't fight before dinner. We go, you know, we eat first and then see if we're still mad. Because you know? <laughs> Pitta will eat. I had a Pitta came to him for consultation and he got in a fight on the way down to the thing. <laughs> he was a real Pitta, red hair, t-shirt in the winter, really hot. Uh, but he was defending somebody. He was, it was a thing. Anyways, so Vata is dryness. That's his primary quality. So with Vata, you really, I'll go to the, I'll go to the physical aspect is, you know, they want to oil themselves. So oily soups are the best thing in the world for Vatas. But they also need to make lists and put them away and check them a week later and realize that probably 10 things or 20 things on that list aren't important. They need to get out of their things out of their head so they put their busyness somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I'm challenging people to think of the quality of wind, the quality of air, 
and what that quality, how that quality impacts their life in a good way and a bad way. There's positive, very positive things about uh, Ellen White. We communicate with the air power. We send our thoughts through the air. Um, and the last thing is, is water. And the, the main quality of waters is heaviness density. So uh, again, just think about rocks and trees and things that are more dense. And, and I, I guess I'm just trying to get people to think qualitatively versus, and then elementally. So think about the sun and, and candle and think about the wind and the, the atmosphere and, and think about the earth and the water that, you know, uh, maybe smell some earth and, you know, so that's my challenge to people to ground themselves in the elements and to think qualitatively, not scientifically, like that's one paradigm, but it's getting us into a lot of trouble. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's a great one. And that's one way that I like to tell people when, cause I think a lot of times in the West, we're like, oh, the doshas, you know, we have our vata yeah. pitta kapha and then we don't go beyond that, which that's where I'm like, oh, we got to know the gunas, you know, we have to know that because that's where like the magic is, is yeah. that's how we find our balance and knowing what guna goes where and looking at things outside of just the, I'm a pitta. I got to do everything to pacify my pitta, even though you could have a vata imbalance going on, but you're not familiar with that because you only know the pitta qualities. So yes, I'm all for yeah, this. You know, I get a pitta to do anything. How? Challenge them. <laughs> Say, uh, I, I got this idea, but I, I don't think you could do it. Oh, I'll have to try that. See, I am like part pitta, but the more I'm like, gosh, man, I wonder if I am not innately, I'll have to get my, um, I've never had my, my pulse read like for birth right. chart from an Ayurvedic doctor. So I would love to, cause I'm like, man, I'm wondering if I'm not more Vata than pitta actually at my root. Well, the, you know, the thing is you're, you know, you have, you have a mental dosha and a physical dosha. So I'm, I'm Vata pitta. Yeah. So my mind is more vata and my body's more pitta. And and now that I'm older, I'm more kapha. And I, I, that was already innate in me. I saw one mm. Ayurvedic practitioner. And he said, well, look at your shoulders. Like you, you have broad shoulders. So they, it, I didn't grow my shoulders. I grew into my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing oh, your wisdom, you. Don. It was yeah. such a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, it was a delight for me too. Well, thank you all and everyone. Go out there and spread your peaceful yeah, power. Yeah, it'll be fall when you see this, and that's a perfect time to study because you know, all the plants are harvest time, right? And yes. so you know, and also get some tools for going to the winter. So winter becomes a a, a joyful growing season not something bad it's it's you know perfect all right well thanks again and bye everybody bye